Your story. It lives in River City. Where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel. Where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another. Where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha. Told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Today on the Huddle Up 2018 Draft Podcast, Nick and Carl are joined by special guest Cameron Parker of the Cameron Parker Show to break down the first six bowl games of the New Year's Six College Bowl Games from a draft perspective. In the Cotton Bowl, USC plays Ohio State. In the Fiesta Bowl, Washington plays Penn State. And in the Orange Bowl, Miami plays Wisconsin. This is the 2018 Huddle Up Draft Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Hello, Broncos country, and it is time to huddle up 2018 draft style. I am avid football fan and draft fanatic Carl, the preacher Dumbler. And of course, I have my co-host, Nick, cornbread, corn-fed Kendall. And for our listeners today, we have a special guest. He is the NFL guru, Cameron, the soul man, Parker. Gentlemen, how's your day going? It's going great. You know, I got my about fifth energy shot this morning and you know, looking forward to uh, talking some NFL prospects. I am doing okay myself. Just wrapped up work for the holiday season yesterday, and holidays are hectic, but we are determined to get you guys your both your preview podcast and your once-a-week draft podcast. And in order to do that, we had to record this draft podcast a little bit early because Christmas falling on the weekend and the end of the weekend or beginning of the week as well makes things a little hectic. So having to record Saturday morning and Really appreciate you guys waking up early, especially Cam out there uh, an hour earlier with the time difference and rocking that mountain time. That's but, right. Yeah, getting it done, getting it in, and I'm really excited. I, I know that we do the Huddle Preview Podcast, but for me, my bread and butter, my passion, what brought me to it is the Draft Podcast. I mean, that's why I approached Chad in the first place. I was like, Chad, you're not using this handle. I really want to do something just talking Bronco Draft related and here we are. It's been, um, I think we're coming up on a year and it's, it's going strong. Well, podcasts have been getting more and more listeners. Granted, the Broncos being garbage this year, kind of, at least for Broncos standards, being garbage has uh, made more interest in the draft. So while it stinks, it's kind of good for our niche market, I guess. And I'm excited to talk these bowl games because it's, it's interesting. I love the college football playoff and we really haven't had that many great bowl games yet, but starting to look ahead to these ones, these are some juicy, juicy matchups. Yeah, there's there's definitely those those opportunities for uh, for good college football games, and I, I think that very often um, there's those games that they don't really stand out a whole lot. But then there's kind of those under the radar or 
um, really good bowl games. <clears throat> but then there's also those those prominent bowl games that are always going to catch the the notoriety, like the Cotton Bowl that we'll be talking about today, and and then the kind of the under the radar team that could maybe upset a, a prominent Georgia team and like you know like Auburn. I mean, uh, Alabama team, I should say, like Auburn. You know, for UCF and Auburn. So it, it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be a fun uh, podcast to talk about for sure. Well, listeners, as you know, this show's focus is all things pertain to your Denver Broncos. We'll be bringing you these draft podcasts every single week leading up to the draft and, of course, way after. With Nick, Cam, and myself being film junkies, we'll be bringing you these draft episodes with a scout-based perspective, breaking down the player's skill set and how they fit in with the Broncos. You can follow myself on Twitter, at CarlDemmlerMHH, as well as follow Nick at Nick Kindle MHH and Cam at Cameron Parker PO. Be sure to tweet us any questions or your opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco and draft football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at Huddle Up Pod and make sure to check out ours and our co writers' written content at milehighhuddle.com, a part of scout.com, an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football and Bronco crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. Don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So please take the time to rate and subscribe. to Let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. Well, gentlemen, let's just kick it off right now with one of my personal favorite matchups that I cannot wait to watch. And that is the Ohio State Buckeyes versus the University of Southern California Trojans. And this game is loaded with NFL talent. It's loaded with two prestigious programs. Uh, they have so many different things that, that we could talk about. I mean, I, I saw that they uh, are number one and number two in Heisman winners. They, what was the other major stat that I saw? I don't know. There was just some, some major history here between these two of being two of the top 10 programs in college football history. Blue Bloods, as they like to call them. They, these are Blue Bloods. These are elite programs. I'm, I'm maybe, you know, everybody likes the underdog story, but I'm honestly a fan of more of the elite programs, probably because I'm a draft fan. These guys normally have the best prospects. And I know it's the Cotton Bowl, but I really wish they would have made this the Rose Bowl because this is like the Pac-12 team of choice, like probably the best team in the history of the Pac-12 versus the best team in the history of the Big Ten. And I think Michigan might still have more wins, but let's be honest, Ohio State is the elite program of the Big Ten the last century last 20 years at least. So this this feels like a Rose Bowl matchup, and my goodness, there are a lot, a lot of NFL, future NFL talent on this team, on both these teams. Completely agree. It's going through the list of all these players, you, you can make an argument for a lot of these guys being first-round talent, second-round talent. They get all these five-star recruits. It just, yeah, this is, this is a fun matchup. Uh, guys going to be flying all over the field last chance to really prove themselves before the NFL draft. And I, I don't know, like I said, this is one of the games I'm just most excited to watch. And a big part of it is because of the the prospects in it. Like you said, we're, we're both draft guys, Cam, you're a draft guy. We just, we just love to see these kind of players get on the field. And so Nick, how about you just kick it off here and talk about some of these offensive Ohio state players. So much talent. I would argue that this bowl game, it has the second most NFL eligible or draft eligible talent out of any of the bowl games i would say the alabama clemson game obviously is the one that has the most nfl talent on both sides of the ball but this one not that far behind it especially with ohio state i know that they lost to oklahoma earlier in the year and they came into iowa city and got their butts whooped giving up 55 points to the hawkeye offense but this ohio state team 
man, just, just littered with talent. And it starts with JT Barrett. He's not really much of an NFL prospect, but I mean, I'd be remiss if we didn't at least mention him. Six foot two, 220 pounds. And he looks more like a Canadian Football League quarterback just because he's just pretty erratic as an NFL guy. He's got good athleticism. I really like how he manipulates the pocket. And for that Urban Meyer uh, run-heavy spread option that they use, he's perfect for running point guard for what they have. But as far as running an NFL offense, I don't, I don't really see it. He'll probably be a late-round draft pick because, by all accounts, he is a phenomenal locker room guy, leader. But NFL quarterback, I don't see it. His windup is long. He's really, really erratic as a passer. I mean, there's easy gimme passes where – I remember watching Curtis Samuel last year, who played for Ohio State now. It's the second-round pick for the Panthers last year. And just pulling my hair out because Samuel would actually run a decent route and show some of that agility and be wide open. And then JT Barrett would just throw it five feet above his head. So not, not, the, best, not the best quarterback prospect, but definitely a guy who can beat you, especially with his legs. He's, they've run that quarterback draw to perfection. So good quarterback for Ohio State, but not much of an NFL guy. I really do like Mike Weber as well. He's the backup to freshman phenom. Honestly, Ohio State's got – there's some really good freshman running backs, and Ohio State might have the best one in J.K. Dobbins. But Mike Weber playing behind him. He's a redshirt sophomore, and there's a lot of talk that he might be coming out because he's playing behind J.K. Dobbins. And that's not the worst because he has a lot more tread on his tires because he's not getting run to the ground. 5'10", 215. He's more of a between-the-tackles downhill, uh, downhill runner, but – He's, he runs a little bit upright as well, which can be an issue for those between the tackle guys because if you run upright and you don't run fully behind your pads, you're going to have some balance issues. And he, he shows that. Uh, he can break through arm tackles, but he doesn't really turn for extra yards, which for being 5'10", 215, 220, that's something he's going to need to work on and address. One thing I do really like about him and something that's really good about Ohio State's offense for these running backs is they make them be multiple. And he's shown the ability to run routes and flex out to slot and be a receiver as well. So... I think he's probably a day three player in this class, but depending on the combine, if he does come out, he could rise. It's a deep running back class, though, so I'm going to guess day three. And Ohio State's got talent littered across their offensive line. Left tackle, Jamarco Jones, senior bull invitee, 6'6", 314. Honestly, a guy that I would not be surprised if he ended up in Denver. Probably a day two player, but shows traits for both left tackle and right tackle. Um, very long, athletic, but again, another guy who plays with high pad levels that leads to some balance issues. And when he comes downhill, he can bend at the waist, and that can lead to balance issues, and he can fall. Um, but great frame, very athletic, especially going forward. Uh, needs to get better with his hands. Sometimes he can carry him a little low and doesn't strike proper area of his chest plate or the opponent's chest plate. But good player, very athletic, and I'm one of my, one of my favorite day two tackles that if the Broncos don't go offensive tackle day one, he's somebody that I would be very happy with coming in and playing right tackle day one for the Broncos next year. I really, really like their best player on their offensive line is – Offensive guard slash offensive center, Billy Price. Billy Price is one of my favorite centers I've seen in the last few years. He's 6'4", 312, and he just perfect technique. Extremely aware, picks up blitzes, really good at handling stunts, working to the second level. He's not an incredible athlete for the position, but he's just so refined. Honestly, he really reminds me of, here's a throwback name for you, an old Ohio State center, Nick Mangold. Played for the Jets for years. Uh, I believe he was an all-pro as well. One of the best centers of the last decade. He anchors well versus the bull rush. He plays angry, too. I love offensive linemen that bring attitude. I know college offenses these days are all about that RPO, but I prefer the old-school RPO, which stands for run people over. And Billy Price is going to bring that. Very versatile, and I'm guessing he'll be the second interior offensive lineman off the board because Quentin Nelson is obviously a guy that I'll save for Carl later when we're talking the Notre Dame game, but 
I like Quentin, Quentin Nelson, but I love Billy Price. And I think his best position at the next level is probably center, just because I don't think his frame and his length is the best. Isaiah Prince, I'll just mention him quickly. He's a right tackle for them. He's a junior. I don't think he comes out, but he's a guy who has some potential. 6'7", 310 pounds. Needs to keep adding strength, but very long. Pretty good athlete for his size and definitely a guy to keep an eye on. And then we have a couple more offensive weapons. See, Ohio State just has so much talent. Paris Campbell, 6'1", 210. He's kind of that H-back, wide receiver, running back hybrid. Uh, not not really much of a route runner right now. Not really the best hands, but as far as athleticism goes and breakaway speed, oh my goodness, man. This guy, the punt returner, kick returner, can take it to the yard any point. I was watching the Indiana game, uh, the opening game this season for Ohio State. I think Paris Campbell had a kick return for a touchdown and a screen for a touchdown. His... His acceleration on Madden would probably be a 99 because he can get up to top speed in an instant. And he's pretty good with the ball in his hands as well. So fun player. I really like Paris Campbell, uh, especially if you're looking for that kind of hybrid type that can also double as a returner. And then finally, Marcus Baugh, redshirt tight end, uh, senior, 6'5", 250. Solid blocker, uh, not the best athlete. I don't understand why any high recruit that's a tight end would go to Ohio State because they just do not use their tight end in the offense. They're more of a blocker and a decoy. They'll send him out, but they don't look for him. And he's he's solid, but I think he's probably late day three, potentially undrafted, I, unless he shows out really well at the Combine. Good frame, blocks okay, but nothing really that stands out to him, in my opinion. But yeah, Ohio State's got a lot of good players on offense. I mean, talk about talent across the board. And one guy, again, didn't he's not draft eligible, but J.K. Dobbins is probably my favorite player on this offense, and he's just a freshman. So they're going to put up some points and they, like they've been putting up all year, but it'll come down to whether J.T. Barrett can execute. Very nice. Yeah, that's it's <laughs> definitely a lot of talent just being on one team. I saw something there's more about talent. Yeah, there's, there's more, even more talent. Yeah, more they, defense. I I saw something about they had three or four offensive linemen ranked in the top 130 uh, of the country just on one offensive line. So uh, this this USC defensive front seven, they're gonna have a little bit of trouble here. Yeah, absolutely. And as much defense or as much talent as they have on offense, I think they have even more talent on that defense. But USC, USC has some talent on that defense as well. Yeah, let, let me tell you a little bit about some of them. Uh, I'm probably going to butcher this guy's name, but Uchina Nuwasu. Nuosu. Nuosu. There we go. Kind of that outside linebacker. He's about six foot three, 235 pounds. He got a, a senior bowl invite, so I'm kind of interested to see how he does down there. This is this is what I would say about him. I wasn't as impressed as some people out there with the kid, and part of it is. I'm not sure that USC exactly knows how to use his talent. They kind of have, they have him going after the the quarterback. They'll have times where he'll just kind of sit in a zone spot. Uh, I don't know. They just seems like a lot of plays. They just struggle to utilize his talents. And, and he's a guy that he's still, I think trying to figure out, I think his position in the NFL is going to be that outside linebacker in a three, four get after the quarterback. He has that kind of potential. He has the the long arms to, to be able to do that. He's got decent speed, decent get off. He's not he's not Von Miller, but who is Von Miller? I mean, there, there's one Von Miller, and I think Bronco fans we've been kind of spoiled, and it's hard to look at other pass rush perspe- uh, prospects because they never line up to to what he can do. Otherwise, they're going top five, obviously. But no, this kid, I think you get him with a a good teacher, a good mentor. And I think he can become a, a decently disruptive player because, like I said, he's he's long. He's got the the height, the weight. He needs to add a little bit more weight, I think, to, to be a good NFL outside linebacker, three-down kind of guy. But he does have ability to drop back in coverage. He uh, came to college as a safety, 
and converted from there to outside linebacker. But I loved when I see him be aggressive, he gets downhill and, and can make plays. I just see a lot of times where he does the, what I like to call the look around and then attack. He likes to see where's the ball going and then I'm going to try to go there. Well, that doesn't really always work that well because by that time the offensive lineman has you engaged and it's hard to do anything. He's taken away your, your first step. He's taken away everything. Uh, so decent prospect, but guy that I'm probably taking oh, around fourth round is where I would have him fourth, fifth round. But a guy that's kind of intriguing just because this is a position that the Broncos are going to uh, be looking pretty heavy in the draft at is Cameron Smith, inside linebacker for them. And, and this guy, he has been a man among boys most of his life. I, I was reading up, he played youth fo- football in fourth grade against eighth graders because he was just so big they couldn't stick him against his own classmates. He is strong. He can crash the middle of a pile. He can hold his own against the offensive lineman, try to come down and, and, and block him. He's a great tackler. I mean, once he gets his hands on you, and he's got long arms too. That, that's something I kept noticing is that we've got a lot of long-armed guys coming out in this draft this year. But And he's a very instinctual guy. He's not the fastest guy, but he gets into position to make a play just because he has great instincts. He's moving before the ball is even snapped. And, and this really helps him, especially in coverage, because he does not have that elite athleticism to really keep up with the fast tight ends. But yet I saw him many times just drop right into the perfect spot to make an interception. He should have had a lot more interceptions in his career. He, he dropped a few and then he had other guys kind of get in his way right when he was getting ready to make a big interception. But he's a pretty good player. I, I like him a lot. I think he'd be a good leader for the Broncos. And I, He's just going to have some struggles at times just because he's not that that perfect natural athlete. He's not your uh, a guy that we're going to talk about later, Raquan Smith. He doesn't have that elite athleticism. But, but no, like I said, good instincts, good player. I like him. But the guy that really excites me on this defense is Rasheem Green, a defensive tackle slash defensive end, 6'5", 280 pounds. This guy is being so underrated right now in the draft community. He is not talked about enough. He has a quick first step. He has violent hands. He has long arms to keep a blocker off his body. He's very aggressive at the line of scrimmage. He fires off low. He has, even though he's aggressive, he actually has really good play recognition, which really kind of shocked me. He doesn't just fire off it with, with being no nonsense. It's, hey, I know what's, what's going on. I saw him many times be the only person to recognize that a screen pass was coming. And if he didn't, break off and, and make the play, it was going to be a big play for the other team. But no, he does just everything really, really well. I, I really like this kid, but he is a little bit of that tweener size. If he came to the Broncos and played in the three, four, he's going to need to be a, a defensive end and he's going to need to put on a little bit of weight. I honestly, I, I just kept thinking when watching this kid, Malik Jackson, Malik Jackson came in as that tweener, a little bit undersized, put on some weight, but still had violent hands, violent first step, Ability to to make some plays. Uh, he he does need to work on his anchoring though. Playing 280 pounds at that defensive tackle position in the four three, he can get pushed around. So again, he's got to put on some weight and he's got to learn how to anchor better. But I, I just think he is a great fit for what the Broncos like to do on on defense. He's what Broncos wish Demarcus Walker was. Honestly, uh, like yeah. that size and that defensive tackle because Demarcus Walker just doesn't have that first step in power that green shows as a pass rusher. If I mean yeah. that tweener size you talked about green's best fit would be a four, three, I think. And then you move him down 
to three technique in uh, sub packages. But I, I'm agree. I'm agreeing. When you mentioned him the other day, like, wow, I really like this Rasheem Green guy. I had a prospect boner because <laughs> I, I've been hyping this guy since last year. Now that size, that ability. I mean, he's he's one of the few, and I, I think it's probably because Pac-12 plays later football. Not as many people get eyes on them, and or especially also, you know, talking defensive line and offensive line. Those guys don't ever get the hype that they deserve unless they're playing SEC football or, you know, high recruit. But I really like Green, and I'm, I was really excited when you brought him up the other day. Yep. Yeah, he, he was one of my favorite players that I watched during this time. And then one final guy here to talk about on the defense is Emin Marshall, a cornerback, six foot one, 200 pounds. He has a lot of good, a lot of bad. He is very aggressive, very physical. One of the more physical corners that, that I've watched this year. And – that's something that a lot of NFL teams really like to see. They like to disrupt the, the passing lanes of a, a, of a team. They like to interrupt the, the timing between quarterback and wide receiver. And he's a guy that loves just to get physical with bigger receivers, smaller receivers, and he does really well with it. He also is a guy that can jump and, and win a lot of those 50-50 balls, which was very impressive. Uh, because you just don't see a cornerback being the guy that, that wins some of those. But, but no, he does really well in that way. Um, he does decently well coming down, helping in the run game as well. Like I said, because he's physical, he likes to come and help in the run game. Doesn't always break down like I would hope. Doesn't always wrap up like you would hope. But I think those are things that he can work on. You, you just love the aggressiveness. And he also has the ability to flip his hips and stay stride for stride down the field. But here's the bad with this kid. I said that the good was he was very aggressive. The bad is he's very aggressive. He has times where his, his aggressiveness gets him way out of position. Hi, I'm Tyler Boss, one of the narrators on the Abide app, a premium ad-free biblical meditation experience. Join the millions of people who download the Abide app to reduce stress, improve sleep, and experience the peace of God every day. You can text the word PEACE to 22433 for a seven-day free trial of Abide. Just text PEACE to 22433, and you'll likely hear from me again on the app as I guide you through daily meditations or help you fall asleep and experience the peace of God. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. He'll focus more on wanting to get into a hand fight than, than actually staying with the receiver. And so I watched a few times where he just, wide receiver was wide open. I mean, he wasn't anywhere within 10 yards because he tripped himself up trying to, trying to be aggressive. He's not great in zone coverage yet he does more he needs to go to a press coverage kind of team he can also struggle against quick-footed receivers the ty hilton's of the nfl and i did see a few times that he struggled with reading and reacting to what was going on in front of him they really like to attack his side of the field with screen passes just because he was always that little half step behind noticing what was going on and would get himself blocked out of a play. So again, a, a very good player, but a guy that can, the guy that can get beat, he's got some work to do. And I, I do think he's just a little bit limited athletically. He's not your top end guys that can, can fly down the field. He's not your, I'm going to have this great makeup speed. If I get beat, 
But again, great player. Uh, I think he might struggle a little bit against the speed of Ohio State, though. Yeah, talking about some matchups now between these guys. I'm in Marshall. I do like him. I think he's a little bit stiff, and he doesn't have recovery speed, which are two big flags for a team like the Broncos that use a lot of man concepts. But as far as that size and ability to control people with aggression, I do like that. But Paris Campbell is going to give him a hard time, I think. And I'm surprised you're lower on uh, Nwosu. I do like him. I think he is a guy that hasn't put it all together yet. And like you said, USC doesn't really know what they're using with him quite yet. But I think he didn't really have the stats this year. But if you're looking at like those extra stats that you do, you have to watch the games or you know Pro Football Focus puts out, I think he might. He's definitely top five in the country in pass breakups. He's so amazing at clogging that pass lane and reading the quarterback, which from a pass rusher, that's awesome. And he's also one of the top in college football in pressures. He's not getting home and finishing the play like you'd hope, but he's getting to the backfield a lot. So I'm excited to watch him against Prince. That'll be fun. And the biggest matchup of this game for USC defense versus Ohio State offenses, when Billy Price gets a chance to go up against Rasheem Green, that is going to be a fun matchup. And I cannot wait to see it. Yeah, two two great hand fighters yes. fighting against each other. That'll be a lot of fun. Keep a keep an eye on the middle of the field there. Yeah, number ninety four Green versus number fifty four Price. So that's that's the matchup that I'm looking forward to there. And then on defense, I'm not going to take as long because otherwise we'd be here all day. But I really like a lot of these guys for Ohio State's defense. You got Sam Hubbard, who actually was recruited as a safety and has put on about forty five pounds since coming there. Potential first round pick. Um, a guy that can do everything you want from that 3-4 edge spot where he's actually pretty decent in coverage for being 265 pounds. He can move laterally and uh, back backpedal even. Guy that I'm not sure he's the best athlete at that edge position in terms of twitch and ability to bend, but a good player. I also really like Taekwon Lewis for uh, edge at Ohio State, where he's number 59. He, he's good, I think, more so because Ohio State has so much talent along that defensive line. 6'4", 265, not the best athlete, not the best bend, probably a day three backup edge type, and 3'4", or 4'3", but solid but not great. I really, really like what I see from Draymond Jones. He is actually the perfect bill caller, not as good as Tavin Bryan, but as far as that athlete with length and burst, Draymond Jones is perfect. He plays interior defensive line. He's played edge for him as well. He's played nose tackle. He's 6'3", 295, but I think he has longer arms. And his get-off at the snap is incredible. He's very strong at the point of attack. He needs to do a better job with his awareness. And when he gets in the backfield, arriving under control because he can run himself out of plays. But as far as talent goes, if he does come out, he's just a redshirt sophomore. But if he does come out, uh, I think he's got the talent to play, uh, be a first-round pick. He's super talented. All three linebackers for Ohio State are very talented and in their own ways. Jerome Baker's more of a 4-3 will linebacker, very small. Athletic, though, athletic as heck. He can run sideline to sideline, but he's not a guy you want in a 3-4, in my opinion, except in sub-packages, just because he's not good at taking on blocks. And I don't think his instincts are the best. He's getting by on athleticism. I do like Chris Worley and Dante Booker. Worley is a little bit smaller, but he plays inside more. A marginal athlete, but has he's good enough for his position and size. Takes inconsistent angles, and is, but his tackling's clean. And I think he's probably a day three guy, but has a chance to be a backup and work his way into a starter at linebacker in the NFL. And Dante Booker is probably my favorite of the group. He's extremely athletic. They play him as a, he's a linebacker, but he kind of plays that nickel role where he's outside the tackle box. And with the zone coverages they use, he can attack downhill. He can cover that flat. Uh, They play him in hook zone a lot. He plays band too. I've seen him cover tight ends, even wide receivers. 
going to have to show that he can play in the box more and get off blocks, but good athlete. Uh, Damon Webb's another solid one for them. He was a high, highly rated cornerback recruit, but now he's playing safety. He's, he's okay. He's a day three player, not a big hitter. Okay. in man coverage and a marginal athlete. But as far as the secondary goes, I love Denzel Ward. He's their cornerback. He's only 5'10", 190, but man, he hits like he's 6'3". He can deliver a punch. We've talked about him a couple times on here, that Maryland game where he got ejected for targeting. It wasn't targeting. He just literally killed the Maryland guy. Guy who's always in your personal space. You know, he's so fluid and smooth and pesky and strong at the top of routes, very fluid. I mean, I I really like what I see from Denzel Ward. Kind of reminds me of Chris Harris Jr., to be honest, but maybe a little bit bigger hitter. Not as clean technique-wise, but he can click and close, and he's got good hips, and I just, I really like him. And then the best player, again, I feel like the best two players for Ohio State aren't even draft eligible. Their best player on their entire team, who if he was coming out this year, would be a top 10 pick, potentially a top five pick, is Joey Bosa's brother, Nick Bosa. He's an edge, a sophomore, and man, he is a phenomenal player. I really love what I see from Nick Bosa, and he'll be probably a top five pick next year. Yeah, that's that's a pretty loaded defense there. <laughs> yeah. That's uh I think USC has a little bit of the same problem on, on some things of uh having a lot of young guys, especially on the offense. They they lost a lot of their offensive line this last year. So guys that are still kind of learning the position and and as and some wide receivers as well. But some guys I really want to talk to talk about here for the USC offense that are actually draft eligible. And one of them, I'm sure most people have heard this name at some point, Sam Darnold, quarterback. There's a lot of rumors out there that he's probably going to return for another year, uh, which saddens me. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll I know. See. I know. I, I saw something the other day that gave me a little hope that one of their other quarterbacks is trying to declare himself as a, a 2018 prospect, not a 2019 prospect or something. I, I don't know. We'll see what all happens with that. But he is six foot four, 220 pounds. So that typical size you love to see in a quarterback. And I think part of it, I would just love to have, you've heard his grandpa's uh, name, haven't you? Dick Hammer. Dick Hammer. I mean, that, what, what a family name. <laughs> that, that alone is good enough to, to have him come to, to the Broncos, just so you can say that on the broadcast. Hey, his grandpa, Dick Hammer. But no, he's, uh, he's one of the most exciting quarterbacks that I've ever watched. He just has a cannon for an arm when he wants to. He has touch. He has ability to move in the pocket. He can keep plays alive with his feet. He, I don't know. He And he's a confident kid. I mean, and he doesn't like, it's not like I'm, I'm the greatest in the world kind of confidence. It's just, he can go out there and throw an interception. And he threw a few this year. But yeah. let's, we can't overlook that part of his game. But he just has this incredible ability to completely forget about it. Like, oh, I threw an interception. Oh, well, I'm just going to go three, throw three touchdowns now in the fourth quarter to win us this game. He's just, in the biggest moments, he is like the most calm guy on the field. And I just always remember that with John Elway. He was the guy that would get into the huddle and say, hey, we're going to go win this game right now. And every player like looked at him and goes, oh, my gosh, I see it in his eyes. We're going to go win this game. I, I just see that in Sam Darnold. He shows up in the biggest moments, and and that's something that you can't really quantify with stats. Uh, so I just, like I said, I love his game. He can fit throws into windows that I just don't see the other quarterbacks in this draft doing. I, I see him make these incredible throws on the run where 
I mean, it's it's over the top of two defenders, and there's another one crashing down on the receiver, and it just drops right in the bucket, perfect for the wide receiver. Now, his receivers make tough catches because he puts them into some tough situations, but but he gives them an opportunity. I I I'm gushing about this kid. I mean, I I want him so bad for the Broncos. I would trade a, at least two, three first round picks to trade up and get this guy. If, if he comes out this year. Very small chance that he becomes a Bronco, though. With us winning. So, yeah, with us winning. But another guy that I really like, and I know you really like him too, is Ronald Jones. Six foot one, 200-pound running back. And you look at that size and you say, oh, this guy. And, and, and you watch the tape, and, and if you watch his highlights, you're going to sit here and say, this is a speed guy. But he is so much more than that. He is. I, I thought he was very, very impressive between the tackles. Vision. He has underrated power. He has great vision. He has ability to stiff arm a guy to the ground. He just he has so many things that I would want in a running back, especially in today's NFL. He has that breakaway speed. I mean, it's very obvious. He has lots and lots of speed to burn. There is a lot of speed in this game. <laughs> That's what's kind of crazy is how much there is of that. But no, great running back. Uh, I just. I think he'd be a perfect fit with what today's NFL is at the running back position. Does he remind you of another running back that wore number 25? Are you thinking that wore red and yellow? Are you thinking Jamal Charles? I'm thinking Jamal Charles. Are you? I think he has a little more power than Jamal Charles. Yeah, I can see that. I think it's a little less explosive, but a little yeah. more, a little more power. I mean, 200 pounds. He can He would last year. He was 185, and he bulked up this year. And you can really tell he's a different player. If you're judging him off his uh, sophomore tape compared to what he's this year, last year he was a day three player. Probably this year, he's my number three running back. Yeah, he, he's borderline first round pick. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind him in the second for the Broncos one bit. No. And then one final guy I want to talk about here is Deontay Burnett, wide receiver. Six foot, 175 pounds. Some of the best quickness you will see. I mean, this guy flies down the field right off the bat. First step, and he's already by his defender. This guy, uh, I don't know. I I was so torn watching this guy. He'll, He'll go out there and he'll make this spectacular catch, diving catch out of nowhere. And then he'll drop an easy pass. And then he has times where he looks lost on what he's supposed to be doing. And then he is probably the worst run blocking wide receiver I've ever scouted. And I'm I'm not, I'm not like over exaggerating on that. He makes business decisions on every single run play. Ronald Jones should have had so many more stats. If it wasn't for this guy trying to block the linebacker or the safety, trying to come down and make the play. He just kind of stood there and said, Oh, yep. Just go around me. Cause he's not even a big body to get in the way. He like just kind of like crumples up. I don't. I'm just trying to think of, you know, that the feeling of when you have something running at you and you just kind of try to get as small as you can so they don't hit you. That's what he does. So I, I don't like this kid. I don't want him on the Broncos unless he's like a late, late round pick, undrafted guy. Then you bring him in just because he's got that speed. He's maybe the type of guy that you bring in if you go get a a player that we're going to talk about later, Baker Mayfield just because you like to have those speed guys that can match up with Mayfield and get open in a hurry. There are guys that do what he does that are better than him, though. 
Right. No, I agree. I agree. So I just not a fan of him. Like I said, if if we want to become that power running team that the Broncos seem to really be heading towards, this is the last guy you want on your team. He will blow up run plays all by himself. Yeah, not good. I like his route running. I know uh, Luke Polblaze, former contributor at Mile High Huddle and a Huddle Up podcast, likes him as a route runner, but Luke is an air raid kind of guy. So we're very different in our preferences of what you want to run in an offense. So, yeah, the biggest thing, this matchup has got to be Sam Darnold versus that Ohio State defensive front. USC's offensive line is not that good. Uh, they have, they're playing pretty much – they had to turn over their entire offensive line this year. And USC or Ohio State's offensive line, I don't even remember the beginning of the year, defensive line coach was a defensive coordinator. Greg Schiano said that this Ohio State defensive line is more talented than some NFL teams. I don't think that's true, at least for this season. But, like, if you take these guys and age them five years in the NFL, that's possible. I mean, they have so much talent across this defensive line. And Sam Darnold, a guy that sometimes vacates the pocket too early and can have some issues if, you know, he's, he's a mad magician in the pocket, but he can drop his eyes if he's, feeling pressure and I think this defensive line is going to be coming after him the entire game yeah he's going to have to work some magic to to win this game but yeah. if there's anybody that can go out there and work magic it's Sam Darnold yep the line for this game is Ohio State's favored by seven and a half so over a touchdown favorite and the over under is 64 so we're gonna we probably need to speed up these next few bowl games that we're going over there's just so much talent in this one but I'm thinking that USC is going to cover, but I think Ohio State ends up winning the game. And I'm going to take the the over on the over-under of 64.5 because I just see this kind of turning into a shootout. Ohio State's got a lot of firepower and as much talent as there is on Ohio State's offensive line. These bowl games just – a lot of times they feel like they tend to turn into a track track contest so or a track meet. So they're going to be a lot of running, and I'm going to take the over. What about you, Cam? Haven't heard from you in a bit. Well, you know, uh, uh, I think as far as this game is concerned, I, you know, especially with the the game that Sam Donald had against Penn State last year, he clearly showed that he has the ability to play in a big game. I mean, you know, you look at I think they were down fourteen points. It was a, it was a high scoring game um, in the game last year, but it was or well, it was actually two thousand seventeen. So it was like what in January, January first Rose Bowl. Um, but yeah, so I mean, he was. I think he was down 14 points, but he showed enough that he could come back and, you know, play exceptionally well and just play exceptionally well the entire and be consistent that entire year. And so I think that for Donald, he just he has that ability to really rise up in big games, and for him to even kind of work his own demons of the uh, halfway point of the year and and really become the quarterback we all saw from him in the beginning part of the year um you know it, it just it, it makes him probably in a lot of people's eyes the best quarterback coming out and so I think that for him and then having so many weapons around him like a Deontay Burnett no matter you know the the fact that he's probably not the best run blocker but the fact is is he's also his favorite target um so it, it helps I think for the comfortability for Donald knowing that he can get the ball to his best playmaker or best playmakers. Uh, and um, I, I don't know. I, I'm i kind of biased, obviously, to the whole Ohio State and Big Ten dynamic. But I do feel that um, USC could, could come out on top. And, Carl, what do you think? These two teams have met seven times in the history of college football. Would either of you like to guess what the, the record is between these two? 
Is it 50-50? No. I'm going to go with USC has six wins, Ohio State four. Just a total shot in the dark. USC has won all seven matchups between these two teams. Wow. All seven. I just think that this is always the hard part, I think, because every conference out there plays a different brand of football. Big Ten has always been more that kind of power. We're going to run you over, kind of, you know, play a lot of great defense, that that kind of mindset. Pac-12 has always been speed, 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 speed. And Big 12 has always just been, hey, we're, we're not even going to care about defense. But, <laughs> but no, I, I think USC, just because they have the best quarterback, in, in my opinion, in the nation at the helm, and a guy that is just cool under pressure, like I said, biggest games is when he loves to show up. And Ohio State, they just haven't always been great in bowl games. This has been one of their big struggles. They're only, uh, they're, they're only 500 in bowl games in their career. So I actually I'm, I'm going USC in this one. I think that they just are going to come out ready and prepared, and I, I think they're going to shock some people. I think they're going to get up early, and and when you have to put the ball into JT Barrett's hands instead of the running back's hands, I don't see him being that guy that just all of a sudden comes back and and leads them from 14 points down. So again, USC, I think they're going to pull the upset in this one. I that could happen. I think it's again though, it comes down to Darnold versus that Ohio State defensive front. If Darnold's turning the football over and giving Ohio State short fields, it's a wrap. So gotta look out for that. And also one last player I gotta mention. Super freshman. Again, this is a year there's running backs are really making a comeback in terms of talent. USC's got a freak running back too. There are like five freak freshman running backs. Number seven, Steven Carr. Look out for him. He's somebody that is going to be on a lot of highlights. Uh, in the next couple seasons, along with J.K. Dobbins. So two really good freshman running backs going to head-to-head. And that game, obviously we forgot to announce the time, that is the Cotton Bowl, and it's going to be kicking off 7.30 Central, so 8.30 Mountain Time, Friday, December 29th. So Friday night, really good football. We'll good tune in because that's probably one of the better games. But uh, another si- fun game, one with oh, – sorry, go sorry, ahead. Sorry, 6.30 Mountain Time, not 8.30. Oh, 6.30 Mountain Time. See, I'm Central, so I always get mixed up. <laughs> 6.30 Mountain Time, 8.30 Eastern. But before we move, or not before we move on, but next is the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl in Glendale, Arizona. Going to be playing the University of Phoenix Stadium where the Cardinals play. The Washington Huskies versus the Penn State Nittany Lions, and that is going to be Saturday, December 30th, 3 p.m. Central Time, which would be 2 p.m. Mountain Time. Right now the line is Penn State's favored by two, and the over-under is 55, so a little bit lower scoring. And I'm going to kick it off to Carl here, talking some offensive prospects for Washington. Yeah, well, I'll start here with Dante Pettis, a wide receiver and a returner for them. He is six foot one, 195 pounds, and he's probably actually he should be well known for his return skills. I, I think he broke the college record for most return touchdowns at nine. But watching this kid, I, I just kind of went meh. I just I wasn't left all that impressed. He's a decent route runner. He's got decent speed. He's got decent hands. But I just there was he's kind of that. What's the how's that saying go? Good at everything, but not great at anything. Or jack of all trades. There you go. Yeah. So I mean, he'll be a good player. He's a hard worker. I mean, you could tell that on the field. He is the energizer bunny. Every single play is a hundred percent. So some team will really like him, but he's just not one of my favorite players in this draft for sure. And then they have a pair of running backs. The the thunder and. 
Have you been waiting for just the right job? Then welcome to the end of your search. Amazon has seasonal warehouse jobs in your area, and now is a great time to apply. You can start getting paid right away and work close to home. Applying is easy. You don't even need an interview. So what are you waiting for? Come join the team and get a great seasonal job offer today. Visit Amazon.com slash hiring. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. Last spring, you chose hardworking seed. But did it work as hard as you did? At NK Seeds, we know that all the time, all the effort comes down to this. All that matters now is yield and how the seed performed on your acre. Because you can't fake performance. And bushels don't lie. Local results coming soon. Visit nkseeds.com slash harvest. Lightning and Miles Gaskin running back 5'10", 190 pounds. And this guy, he is, he's got some speed. He's got some quickness. He's got just a, a, a really nice jump cut to make people miss. I, I'm always pretty impressed when he gets into the hole and, and makes somebody miss in that way. But he's kind of more that kind of third down running back, more that guy you're going to come in, have him catch some passes out of the backfield, good long speed to go make a, a play down the field. But again, just, just a late round kind of guy uh, in this draft, in my opinion. And then his playing partner, LeVon Coleman, 5'11", 223 pounds. And I was trying to think of who this guy reminds me of. And he was uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the guy's name for the Broncos. Ball, but not, not Monty Ball. Lance. Lance Ball. That's who this guy reminds me of. He's kind of a, I'm just going to run straight forward. It might mean I run into the back of my my offensive lineman. I'll pick up two, three yards. I'll fall forward, and I'll be a hard worker. But I just view him as kind of that undrafted guy that a team will bring in, and maybe he makes it because he does some work on special teams. Yeah, I could see that. He reminds me of – does the name Jonathan Dwyer sound familiar to you? Yeah, I think he played for Pittsburgh. Yes, he did play for Pittsburgh for a bit. He almost – honestly, almost the exact same size. Dwyer measured in at the combine at 5'11", 229 pounds. He's just big. They use him as a big guy, just run into him, short yards, but I don't really see any amazing traits. Right. Yeah, I'm with you on that. But, Cam, what, what do you have for us on the defensive side of this for Penn State? Well, it's definitely not the strongest suit of Penn State, that is for sure. And, um, you know, for for the, the fact of that defense, there's still a couple prospects worth discussing, and one is Marcus Allen and, and, and Jason Gabinda. Marcus Allen is a little bit interesting. And what the you know, what I was watching for Marcus Allen, he's no relation, by the way, to the Marcus Allen, the really good running back that played for the Oakland Raiders. And and but I, I think for Marcus Allen, he he kind of appeals to me more as a like a free safety, but he's not afraid to 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 hit people, which is intriguing uh, from the standpoint that you don't see very many free safeties want to come up and hit people. But um, and maybe that's why he, he could probably transition into a strong safety um, at the next level. But he, he struggles a lot in coverage. I mean, he kind of gets complacent at times. And, I mean, he's when he wants to be, when the light turns on, he can be, he can be that decent, you know, close, in, close out on 
uh, on on tight ends or on wide receivers if if need be. So he has really good closeout speed. For, for Marcus Allen, you know, I I kind of I haven't really seen a whole lot of uh, round proje- uh, projections for him, but I I kind of see him as you know a guy that could end up being a day two kind of guy. Yeah, um, you're exactly right. But I I just think for for Allen, especially him going to the Senior Bowl, it's going to benefit him playing against all the the top end talent, and especially considering that the Senior Bowl is loaded this year, you know, with all sorts of playmakers. I, I just see him kind of as that day two guy. Jason Cabinda is interesting as well. I mean, he's really aside from that the the defense for Penn State. He's a guy that he could be also maybe a day maybe as early as a day two. Maybe I'd see him more as a day three linebacker, maybe. But, I mean, you know, usually when you get to these East-West Shrine games or it's an East-West Shrine invitee, those people have a tendency to be strongly considered for the National Football League as far as maybe even being a day two um, linebacker. So I, I, I think for Kabinda, he, he's a tackling machine. I mean, and usually when you, when you tackle well, it bodes well for the instincts that you have as a linebacker. Um, so he real he he understands you know the the spot as far as you know what hole a running back is trying to run through or his coverage at times can be a little bit you know out of whack you know and just a prime example I I put it out last night but it was the play that he made against C.J. Beathard you know when with the with the sneak that he did last year on the fourth and one he automatically recognized that the quarterback was gonna jump over to try and reach the ball over uh, for the first down. And he pushed him back. I mean, he just – he had his incredible strength for a linebacker, which I think does bode, uh, bode well for for Kabenda. And I think that that is probably also maybe his weakness because I think that at times he gets careless with it. And I think that if he can show that he can fight off blockers consistently, then I think he can be a very solid day two pick. Yeah, I agree with you one guy that – I didn't add to the outline. I think I mentioned it, but I didn't end up getting it there. Cornerback for Penn State also getting some buzz is Christian Campbell. Six foot one, 194 pounds. Again, senior bowl invite. And he's somebody who's been rising up the board pretty consistently. And with the lack of talent at cornerback at the senior bowl this year, and especially lack of size at the senior bowl for the cornerbacks, I think that he has a chance to rise up boards as well. And I'll be I'll be very interested to watch him match up against Pettis in this game. Yeah, I mean, he's got decent size. Yeah, I mean, 6'1", 200. Woo. Yeah, and obviously, as always, the, the Penn State will, will always get its notoriety on the offensive side of the ball, but um, more so because of the fact of who they have at running back. Um, yes. And the guy that they have at running back, people are saying is a bona fide top 10 pick. And maybe according to some mocks and maybe my, my non-quarterback draft crush, that would be uh, Saquon Barkley. You know, and, and coming into this year, so if we're going to talk about the Denver Broncos, O.J. Howard was my, was my draft crush coming into the, the draft for the Broncos. And this year it's Saquon Barkley. And, and I, I realize that, you know, the, the Broncos certainly, you know, are not the, the best, certainly, or sorry, they've used Devontae Booker necessarily kind of as that future guy. But despite everything that the Broncos have had at that running back position, there hasn't been really, except for C.J. Anderson, maybe kind of vying for that 1,000-yard season, there really hasn't been that type of player that has really asserted themselves for many years. And so if they can get a guy like a Saquon Barkley, 
to even add to the whole Devontae Booker and potentially D'Angelo Henderson running back situation, it would benefit them. Uh, Saquon Barkley is just incredible. Uh, he has, I mean, as far as balance at the running back position, he's incredible. Uh, and, and even to go with that, the vision and strength that he has and consistency for him to be able to go uh, and maybe become a stronger running back as the game goes on, that bodes very well for running backs. Now he was inconsistent probably against top competition the middle part of the year. But that I, I don't think that will deter him necessarily for for maybe climbing. I mean, I, it certainly would help because the Broncos are potentially sitting there at 10 right now, right, or 9. But that's – I think overall you're looking at a top five talent overall just just based off of talent alone. I mean, he's an incredible talent. He's probably the best running back talent, you know, to come out in the last few years. So he's a, he's a very talented guy and – and then, and then you go into the, to the tight end, Mike Gusecki. I think he's just Mr. Reliable for Trey McSorley. And I, I think that if you look at those tight ends now, you have to have a reliable tight end at the next level. You know, whether that is a, an Austin Hooper or a guy over those years, if we're going to go based off of the, the Broncos, the Denver Broncos, guys like an Owen Daniels or a Joel Dreesen during those Peyton Manning years, guys that are going to catch the football, and do everything they can to at least get a first down. I think that for Mike Gusecki, you're looking at a guy kind of that way. That's reliable, able to box out a defender and make sure that he gets a first down. So, but we always want that explosive tight end. And I think that for draft prospects, they, they look at it like that. So I see him more as a, maybe a day two tight end, but he's very under, underappreciated in my mind. Yeah. I like, Berkeley a lot. I mean, the last draft podcast that was no, the last one that was up the the one that's there's going to be one that goes up today. That's a mock draft. But Eric and I talked about him for probably 40 minutes and just gushing. Kaseki is somebody I like his ability to jump jump ball guy, but mm-hmm. for his size, he is just such a terrible blocker. It drives yeah. me nuts. It drives me nuts. Yeah, and and I think that that's why he's kind of that that receiving threat, but he's not really all all that as far as a blocker. Yeah. And I think that Brad, that kind of goes to the incredible acumen of Barkley is that he has the ability to maybe elude a lot of defenders knowing that the run blocking really isn't all the best. Yeah. So. Nope, you're very much right. And I am very excited to see Barkley versus these this Washington defense. They don't really have that much talent, but I'll let Carl kick to it. I do want to mention, I'll do one real quick. Azeem Victor is not going to be playing. Don't have to really spend too much time on him. He's 6'3", 231, and he's suspended due to a DUI and really just been underwhelming this year. He was injured last year. There was some buzz about him last season, but hes I don't think he's very good. So we'll kick it off to Carl for some of the defensive linemen that they have. Yeah, he his instincts didn't really impress me all that much. He's got athleticism, but he was in the wrong place at the wrong time all the time. Always. So not, not, not a guy that I would go after. But a guy that I, I really love, I don't think he fits well with what the Broncos have. But that is Vita Via, defensive lineman, six foot five, three hundred and forty-four pounds. And you look at that size and you sit here and say, Oh, this guy's just a space eater. Uh, he he is that, but he is so much more. I love this kid. He is one of the most violent players I have seen in a while. He loves to hand fight. He will shove a guy right into the quarterback's face. He'll about pick him up and just carry him back into the quarterback's lap. I mean, he's just that strong. 
He's got quick feet for 344 pounds. I, I, seriously, if, if you ever get a chance to go watch this guy, I, I would highly recommend it. If you're watching this game, watch this kid in the middle because he, he just – the game that I, I love especially, if you really want to go watch one game of his, is Washington State, Luke Falk, <laughs> a player that I don't think any of us really like that much at all at the quarterback position, but Vita Via, he was pushing his guy right into Luke Falk's lap almost every single play. He was making plays in the run game. He just, he was everywhere. And like I said, he could have had about a three or four sack game just in that game alone. And again, it being 344 pounds, you're kind of thinking of this guy that's just going to be a space eater. He's going to eat up blocks and let other guys go make plays. That's not what he does. He is a guy that can actually shoot a gap, go make a play in the backfield, get into a quarterback's face, collapse the pocket. He, he can just do about whatever you want there in the middle of the field. Honestly, he doesn't really do much of the taking on double teams and just holding his ground. That's not really his game. And, and they kind of pair him with a guy named Greg Gaines, another defense lineman, six foot two, 321 pounds, who is that space eater, who is that guy that takes on the double teams and allows Via to kind of go do his thing everywhere else. So I think at the next level, that's something you're going to have to look at if you do draft Via, because I do think he is a first-round talent. Even as a nose tackle, I think he is a first-round talent, but you're going to need another guy next to him that is a, a space eater that can take on those blocks because you're not going to ask Via to be that kind of guy. If you draft him, stick him at the nose tackle position and say, take on these two guys, you are not using him to his skill set. That would be the worst thing you could do with a player of his caliber. You need him to be trying to make plays in the backfield. But again, great player. I I love the way that he fights. He, for being 344 pounds, I love that throughout the entire game, he just doesn't stop. Every single play, the offensive line was sitting there saying, are you coming again? Oh my gosh, why won't you just stop for one play? That's that's what I what I see when I'm watching this guy. You can just see the body language of the offensive lineman like, oh my gosh. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't, you don't, you don't usually think of those guys that are 344 pounds that move as agile as him. Yeah, he, he looks like a ballerina out there. Yeah, he's the next Don Terry Poe. There are going to be so many Don Terry Poe comparisons, and apparently, he's going to kill the combine. So, I think he's a little bit sloppy weight wise. I think he he's not the same player in the second half as he is in the first half because that conditioning. I mean, especially if you're talking about Denver, he needs to drop probably 15 pounds. I don't, I they're just conditioning wise, but I'm, I'm agreement with you. He's a special player. I think his best fit would probably be a three technique in a four, three defense. But if he drops that weight, I think I could see him at five technique kicking down to three technique in sub packages for a three, four defense. But yeah. That's great. honestly, they use him a lot. And in, in that five tech position. Yeah. That's I, I was, three, four. <laughs> yeah. I was really impressed. They, they like Greg Gaines as that nose tackle. And then they'll put via there. I mean, just having that kind of weight on the field is incredible. Good I, I can't imagine her. the offensive line looking across going, oh, my gosh, the entire defensive line is bigger than us. Yeah. <laughs> it just, yeah. No, he, he's an impressive player. But like I said, I, I do think he does need to lose a little bit of weight. And I don't think that'll really harm him at all. He's just a strong guy. He's going to lift somebody off the ground. And just like I said, he's just going to carry him back into the quarterback's lap and say, hey, here's your offensive lineman. Take him to the sideline. You know, in essence, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit maybe of a much younger Damata Pecco, you know, uh, and kind of what we were seeing this year with Damata Pecco, who is a guy that everybody thought was declining, you know, in age. But he's proven to be an incredible disruptive force on the defensive line that 
he isn't just a guy that is going to clog up lanes, but he's also going to get into the backfield and disrupt plays uh, for um, for running back or even um, you know Philip Rivers if he wants to you know, go after a quarterback every now and then. So I think that you know again you're just looking at a, a guy that is not afraid to rush the passer, and usually a a guy that is that big and especially that mobile, you just wouldn't think of a guy like that. Yeah, he's a lot of fun, but we should probably move on to the next bowl because we still have a few to get through. Mine is negative two to Penn State, over-under is 55. And I'm going to take – I think I'm going to take Washington to cover and win, but I'm going to take the the under on the over-under. I think it's going to be more low-scoring than people think. I got Washington just for the sake that I just have no idea what Trey McSorley is going to show up. Just So mine's more on Trey McSorley, which we never even talked about. But, yeah, so I just got Washington. Well, then I'll, I'll be the different guy, and I'll go Penn State. Go Big Ten. Woo. <laughs> I, I could see Barkley having a good game. Washington does pretty good against the run, but they they just don't have as many playmakers as they've had. They That defense got hurt a little bit last year with some guys coming out for the draft. And and uh, so, yeah, I, I think Barkley could have a, a nice going out party for his career. That defensive line versus Penn State's offensive line is going to be a massacre. Penn State's offensive line is not great. They do have a center. Guess Do you know what Penn State center's name is? I, I want to draft him just because of his name. Connor wow. McGovern. Oh. oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Connor McGovern, he's a sophomore, so he can't come out. Some think he's going to be a pretty early pick, but the rest of that offensive line, not great. Now, before we get any farther here today, we want to say thank you to our sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download on a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.autobotrial.com backslash huddle up. But anyway, we're going to move on to an interesting bowl here. Another Big Ten team. Three Big Ten teams in these New Year's Six because none of them made it to the playoffs. But talking about the Orange Bowl, the Capital One Orange Bowl in Miami, the Miami Hurricanes playing a home game versus the Wisconsin Badgers. And this game is at 7 p.m. Central, so 6 Mountain Time, Saturday, December 30th. The line has Wisconsin favored by almost a touchdown, 6.5, and, and the over-under is 45. And going to kick it off to Cam for these Miami offensive prospects. You know, this game entirely is kind of maybe that more intriguing game uh, of the entire, you know, more prominent bowl games between all of them. I would say that Miami and Wisconsin is kind of a – it's a different blend of, you know, that that we're going to smash mouth football you every single uh, play. Talking about Wisconsin. Then you go to Miami, and they're all that kind of spectacular, kind of flashy play. Yeah, and so it's kind of a different blend of styles, really, with this bowl game. And so, culture, even right, and just even culture in general. So, as far as the offensive prospect for Miami, you know, you you look at Braxton Berrios, Casey McDermott, and Christopher Herndon, who won't be playing. Those three are probably the more prominent guys on the team. Braxton Berrios, I actually was really impressed with. He kind of feels like he would be best suited for a slot receiver role in the National Football League, a guy that is going to move the chains and be very effective at it. I mean, usually people, the as far as the slot receiver now, you know, people are always going to look at Julian Nettleman and, and those Wes Welker types. And, and, and you look at a guy that even came out last year um, that was rising up the boards in Cooper Cup. You know, a guy that had tremendous production and, and starting to translate uh, to the next level. Braxton Berrios, I don't want to say that he could be that guy, but, you know, he's a guy that is very savvy of a route runner and 
catches everything thrown to him. And for a guy in Rozier that was pretty bad as a quarterback, and he actually appears to uh, uh, have found a good connection with with Barrios, uh, and especially with the fact that you know you look at Amani Edwards, who I believe he tore his ACL, if I'm not mistaken, and he's out when he was Amani out for the year. Amani Richards, yeah. Um, Amani Richards, I don't. I knew what I was talking about. I swear. Yeah, um, it's all good. <laughs> but basically, I think that that's all. That's going to be opening up touches a lot for Braxton Berrios, and I think that um, it's going to be interesting to see with the defensive backs of Wisconsin if they can stop that. Casey McDermott is one of the better offensive tackles to 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 be part of, at least to be considered for the for the NFL draft. He's a he's long. He's actually an incredible run blocker, uh, which is like a Jekyll and Hyde version of the, you know, just of what the Broncos used to be in the past. I mean, they used to be a, a pretty good pass blocking team. Now they're a really good run blocking team. He's a, he's actually a pretty good pass blocker, but that's not where he makes his name. He makes his name trying to destroy people. You know, there was a, there was a great play that he made and I, I can't, I'm trying to remember exactly the team that, uh, that he did it to, but he kind of, he basically was at first going to go after the the edge guy, the edge rusher, but the the safety was closing in, I think, or uh, or a corner was closing in, and then he went to go chop block him, and he basically took both of those guys out of the play, and it left for a big big hole for for Miami on the on the run play. So that just kind of gives you a sense of the savviness as him as a as a blocker, and you know you're looking at the the Broncos especially come this uh, this season and into the draft. They're going to need a, a a guy that could potentially be a left tackle or a right tackle again. And if they get a left tackle, you know, you move balls to right tackle. So that's just another topic in of itself. But still, you know, Casey McDermott is one of the more fabulous offensive tackles, certainly. And then uh, Christopher Herndon, he's kind of an interesting guy. He is a pretty good run blocker. He's not consistent at it, but he's clearly made himself known in the very short amount of uh, time that he can actually be effective in the passing game uh, and as a receiving threat, and especially with the history that Miami has had as far as trying to find receiving threats from you know Jeremy Shockey to uh, to now David and Joku, um, right, and even Greg Olson, they've made themselves known as far as being uh, the receiving tight end. You, no pun intended, or pun intended rather, almost as good as Iowa. Right, right. <laughs> um, so Christopher Herndon, you know, he really is kind of that interesting guy at six foot four, two hundred fifty-five pounds. You know, but he's not as agile as a guy like an Evan Ingram or or, or those guys, and especially David and Joku, who's an incredible athlete as a tight end. But he's a guy that is very serviceable. I mean, he's a guy that, in essence, if you want to compare him, he could be like a Virgil Green, a guy that was never really used appropriately. Uh, with the Broncos, you know, you look, you look at it, like I said, vastly underused, a guy that is underappreciated as far as being a runner when the ball is in his hands. So I think Christopher Herndon could be uh, a guy that you look at as being a guy that could contribute on a, on a team day one if need be. Yeah, he is injured. He'll go, he will be at the Senior Bowl, and he's one of my favorite day three tight end prospects. He's never going to be a great receiving option, but as far as that tight end two that can be in line and run routes in the flat and, you know, dump it off to him that what Virgil Green does, Broncos are probably moving on from him. Do you want a guy that can come in and fill that Virgil Green role? Herndon's a good option. So I, yeah, Wisconsin's going to have their hands full, but Wisconsin's got one of the best defenses in the country this year. I mean, I went to the Iowa Wisconsin game at Camp Randall and Iowa was garbage and Wisconsin just overwhelmed them. They got a number of talent across 
their defense starts up front. Of course, Wisconsin's got a defensive tackle who's an East West shrine game invite. He'll probably be an undrafted guy, but Connor Sheehy, he plays defensive end, defensive tackle, pretty much whatever they want from him. 6'4, 290. Wisconsin does play that 3 4 defense, and he just doesn't have the, the get off that you want for that five technique in the NFL. His snap anticipation and his ability to explode out of the stance isn't that good, but once he's out of his stance, he does a good job of pushing the pocket and controlling the offensive linemen. I really question his frame and his length. He looks maxed out. His shoulders are very close together. I just I don't think that length is great, but he's very good being disciplined in his lane and eating space and keeping his eyes in the backfield. Yeah, my favorite player on that Wisconsin defensive line is Olive Sagapolu. He's like a six foot two, three hundred and fifty pound nose tackle. He's a junior, so I don't think he's going to come out, but somebody to watch as well. Where's number ninety nine? Fun player. But Wisconsin's bread and butter has got to be that linebacking core. They have linebackers all over that are very, very talented. Uh, edge rusher Garrett Dooley, he's a senior, invited to the Senior Bowl. Probably, again, a day three guy, more of a power rusher. Uh, he's an inside linebacker convert. Not the best change of direction ability. Can set the edge very well against the run game. Just uses power moves mostly. And has some coverage ability, but not elite. His stack and shed, I really love his stack and shed, where he can engage a guy and then dispose of them to make it play on the ball carrier and it works perfect for the big 10 but it depending on how he does in the senior bowl obviously be big but he doesn't really get a chance to play against much pass heavy teams my favorite player not the best but my favorite player for this wisconsin linebacking core has got to be leon jacobs nuudi he's a linebacker redshirt senior 6'2, 238 and also an east west shrine bowl invite i watched the wisconsin opening game this season versus utah state and number 32 leon jacobs was the guy that like, oh my gosh, this guy is all over the field. Nobody's really talking about him that much yet. I've heard his name start to pop up a little bit, but he's very smooth. You can tell he's a workout warrior. If you look up a picture of this guy, he looks like a bodybuilder, like just packs on so much weight. They've had him play literally everywhere as well. They've had him play fullback. They've had him play running back. They've had him play edge linebacker. They've had him play off ball linebacker. And he does whatever they ask of him. He's very smooth in coverage. And I think a guy that... He's been. I've, he's got the Kendall Super Sleeper stamp, and in a lot of my mocks, I'm guessing I'm going to take Leon Jacobs, and a very very fun guy to watch. Good in coverage and just just a football player. The more heralded linebacker that they have is T.J. Edwards. I believe he was first team or second team All Big Ten. Six one two forty six. Just a typical three four inside two down linebacker. Very good between the tackles and in the box coming forward, taking on blockers. Very good awareness and ability to take on offensive linemen and just stop the run. Stiff, not the best in coverage. Uh, probably a day three player because I don't expect him to test very well. And while he does have that weight, he's not the longest. He's only six one, but fun player and perfect for what you want in the Big Ten. They also have a linebacker who's been injured this season, but is declared. Probably the guy that would have been their best linebacker is too. So crazy Wisconsin's defense was still this good. And Jack Keechy, he's a senior inside linebacker. Tore his ACL to start the season. Had a couple injuries. If not for the injuries, he honestly could have been a top 40 pick because his tape, especially against Ohio State last year, phenomenal, phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Makes plays consistently behind the line of scrimmage, has a second gear, especially when he's closing on a ball carrier. He can he beats offensive linemen to their spots often, especially on the edge, and very instinctual. My biggest issue with him is his tackling technique. He a lot of times will go low and won't wrap up or won't break down. He'll go for more of a bigger hit. So he's going to have to clean that up, otherwise he's going to have some broken tackle issues in the NFL, but he's day three right now because the ACL, but if you're looking for a guy, like if you're, especially if you're taking two linebackers and you're going a guy earlier or later that you want a day one contributor and you're taking the the high upside guy, Jack Keechee is probably a guy that I think could be 
really good, really good player in this class. Kind of reminds me of Anzalone last year where he's been injured, but you know, if you get a chance to see him as tape, he can make a, a rise up the boards. The injuries are always going to be an issue with him though. The the TJ Edwards and the, the Jack Cicci one, though those are probably the two more heralded linebackers. You know, and you just think back at the linebacking core that was there last year. Yeah. It was even in the year before. Right. And the year before, I mean, you had TJ Watt and uh, I can't remember that other linebacker um, that was really good that ended up getting drafted. They had Schobert there. Yeah. And they had another one as well. I can't remember his name. Yeah. They had so many linebackers. Yeah. They, 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 they're just phenomenal. And so TJ Edwards to me is even more intriguing because I think that he has also a little bit more pass rush to his ability, you know, that not many people can talk about. Kind of a delayed pass rusher from that interior right. spot. Yeah. 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 No, I like him. I think he's a little bit limited athletically to that two-man yeah. thumper. But as far as a 3-4 guy, like, perfect Todd Davis filler. Like, if you lose Todd Davis in the yeah. offseason and Edwards, redshirt junior, I believe he's going to come out. I mean, that's that's what he is. That's his role. Right. Maybe he's even bigger than Davis. I think Davis might actually be a little bit more athletic. But Edwards is going to be make a team that's running a 3-4, a two-down thumper, very happy. But my favorite has got to be Leon Jacobs, 6'2", 240, and he can, he can move. Very fluid. I think he's a guy that... After the combine, I wouldn't be surprised if he rises up boards. And the last guy I want to mention, all indication that he's going to declare, is Nick Nelson. He's a transfer from Hawaii, plays cornerback. Somewhat smaller in terms of his length, but my gosh, he is packs a punch. He's over, he's almost 210 pounds, which for a cornerback, he looks like a running back. That's how big he is. Not really a thumper, so to speak, but because of his size, he can stack and shed and hold that D gap very well. And for his size, he's he's pretty fluid. Uh, makes a lot of plays on the ball. One of the... Uh, upper guys in terms of pass breakups in the Big Ten. So very good player. And I just thought of the Wisconsin, other Wisconsin linebacker, Vince Beagle. I even yes, interviewed him last yes. year. Yeah, yeah, that was the guy. Yeah, Beagle. Or so, Beagle. Yeah, it's a fun game. And talking about, I'm just going to roll right into the offensive players for Wisconsin here. Then we can wrap up some of these matchups. Troy Fumagalli is probably the most well-known for them. 6'6", 249. He actually doesn't have an index finger, a left index finger. He has four fingers on that left hand. Wait, really? Had, yeah, really. <laughs> wow that's crazy yeah i know it's yeah, he had a condition as a child and they had to remove that finger so that was uh interesting but definitely doesn't matter 10 fingers nine fingers he's got great hands <laughs> right. uh inline blocker you know talking about herndon being that inline blocker fumagala is even better he's going to need to continue to add strength as a blocker but not everybody can come in like uh, nobody can come in like oj howard did last year uh <laughs> not the best athlete but a very savvy route runner can get Separation uses his head really well, especially in and out of his breaks to freeze linebackers for a second, get in and out. And not much of a seam threat, but again, very solid tight end. And if you're looking for that inline guy, going to be a fun player for you. Bo Benzenschwal, offensive guard, redshirt junior, might be coming out for Wisconsin. Wisconsin recruits just freaking massive guys for that power run game. Kind of going back to that, who's the head coach for him before that was really popular there? Uh, the one who just got fired by Arkansas. Yeah, Brett Bima. Brett Bielema, yeah. Brett, they're going back to that Brett Bielema size where the, if your offensive lineman isn't over 320 pounds, he's a failure. Right. And Benzen Schwal is 316, probably pushing 320 now. Big frame. Plays with a high pad level, which you're going to get from a six foot six guy. It messes with his leverage, but he's so strong that he can get away with it. Uh, for being his size, he actually has decent get-off, and he uses inside hands pretty well. He's often the first to make contact because he has pretty good length. And has shown ability to pull and trap effectively, especially for that power game. I remember watching him at Iowa, you know, seeing that number 66 move around. Good player. Definitely an interior guy, probably too tall to play center, but a guard. And he's going to need to work on staying consistent. Sometimes you can tell he gets a little bit winded and then he'll start to bend at his waist. 
and lose balance, and that's going to be an issue. But a good run blocker, okay pass blocker, and probably a late day two guy. The second best player on their offensive line, I would say Bo Benzenschwal is their third best. The second best is Michael Dieter. He's playing offensive tackle for them, played center for them last year, really good at center and guard. I think that's probably where he's going to be in the NFL, but he's playing left tackle today. Where's number 63, 6'6", 330 pounds. Uh, man, he's maintains his block so well in the run game. He can push guys down. Uh, power run blocker for sure. Has shown lateral agility again and pulls and pulls and traps. You know, he's not an amazing athlete at that center position, but if you're running a power scheme, he's more than adequate. Sometimes he can be out of control, getting to that second level, which could be an issue. And he can struggle with speed and lunges. Again, one of those guys that I'm questioning his conditioning. I think Wisconsin just wants you to get as big as possible as quickly as you can. And that means there's going to be some issues with conditioning. So sometimes he, again, bends at the waist second half of the game. But I, I like him a lot. Michael Dieter is probably a day two interior offensive lineman. And then my two honorable mentions for Wisconsin that are undrafted guys, probably the two best guys on their offense, honestly, are not, not undrafted, but not draft eligible yet. Uh, freshman phenom, another freshman phenom running back, Jonathan Taylor, who <laughs> is number 23. He's, he's really good. Puts the ball on the turf a lot, but a really good player. And early shout out, because I am an offensive line, defensive line guy. Wisconsin's right tackle, David Edwards, I think looks like a future first-round pick. Very athletic, great mover in space, 6'7", 306, powerful. And I think they'll probably move him to left tackle next year, and they, there will be some first-round buzz in the offseason. So we'll see how he does next year, but I really like David Edwards playing that right tackle position for him. Who was that guy that was the first-round draft pick last year for Wisconsin? Ryan Ramchick. Ryan Ramchick, yeah, playing right tackle yeah. for the Saints now. Right. So, I mean, you, you kind of look at Wisconsin. It really is probably University of Offensive Linemen. They do a really good job. And I think that this is why this game in particular, Miami and uh, Wisconsin, is so intriguing because the defensive line, especially the defensive tackles, are really good for Miami. And, you know, you look at Kendrick Norton, RJ McIntosh. Kendrick Norton, you know, we're talking about Vita Via. As, as a guy that at 344 uh, pounds can really get after a quarterback and, and stop a run as well. You know, Kendrick Norton, he's not as big, obviously. Um, you know, he's, he's 315, but he has shown that he has a lot of consistency to really stuff a run play. And at 315, that's pretty incredible for a guy that can stop the run as, as good as he can and I think that him being so versatile at 315, he could in some sp- in some places be a defensive end if need be. Um, and, and that versatility, I think, does bode well uh, for Norton. And especially going up against this incredible Wisconsin offensive line, you know, you're going to need a guy like a McIntosh who is going – McIntosh and especially Norton that's going to try and uh, create as much power as they can on that Wisconsin offensive line. But he, it's that intriguing game because they McIntosh and, and and Norton provide a lot of power and a lot and but more importantly speed on that defensive line for Miami. That it's kind of an interesting point because we're talking about how big Wisconsin's offensive line is. McIntosh is two ninety five, and 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 Norton is three fifteen. And then we're just talking about the Wisconsin offensive line. I mean, you're looking at guys that are three hundred and twenty and above. Sorry, monsters. Yeah. Monsters. So they they literally so, inject bacon into their veins. Right. Exactly. So they're they're literally going to have to be able to um, create endless endless amounts of pressure on that Wisconsin offensive line 
and, and whether that's creating other packages, you know, corner blitzes, you know, um, free safety blitzes and so forth, just to try and, you know, neutralize that. We'll see what Mark Rick can dial up. But both those guys, though, McIntosh and, and Norton, are very flexible. They can be that that guy that can be in the middle as a nose tackle, or not a nose tackle, but a defensive tackle or play defensive end if need be at the next level. Chad Thomas is is more that defensive end. And interestingly enough, if he did add more weight, he could move inside, but I don't think he would be near as effective as he is outside. Uh, a lot of plays that I did see, though, he was it seemed like he was more in coverage at times, which is which is interesting. I don't I don't think he's nearly consistent. So if he was more consistent and and, and had enough burst, I think we would be talking about him a little bit more. Um, but I think the potential is certainly there for him. But uh, their their best prospect is probably Michael Jackson. I mean, at, at corner, he's come a long way since the time at the beginning of the season. He's, I think, six foot one, and he's added a little bit more pounds to him. So five more pounds necessarily. He's, I think he's sitting at around 200. But he's a guy that is incredible in, uh, as, a, as a press corner. He's physical. He's very physical, actually. But at times, you know, we, we've established before in the podcast that being physical can also doom you at times because if that, if that wide receiver gets behind you, it takes you a while to actually recover. And I think that that's a part of his game that's getting a little bit better as far as his ability to recover and, and, and close out uh, on a wide receiver on a route. And so I think that Michael Jackson, I actually like him really well, obviously against these Wisconsin wide receivers because, you know, they don't have anybody that can throw them the ball. And so I think that for Michael Jackson, there could be a lot of opportunities where he could have two interceptions in this game because of how aggressive he plays. And, and because Hornibrook turns the ball over like it's going out of style. Right. Both a corner and Hornibrook. Absolutely. And yeah. probably the worst quarterbacks in the Big Ten. But Hornibrook, you know, you just don't know. And this is just a different discussion, but you don't know what kind of quarterback you're getting. He plays well in times, but then it's like, well, once the big game hits, it, he shrinks. And so I think that with with this game overall and with the prediction necessarily, I, I'm still going to tend to Miami because I don't trust um, what I might potentially see from from Hornibrook. That's not to say that the offensive line could create a lot of opportunities for Jonathan Taylor on that defensive line because of the size difference. But I, I just think athletically, there's way more athletes on the Miami side of the ball than there is Wisconsin, or at least on the offensive side of the ball, even without Amon and Richards. But again, it, it's going to be a very interesting game because Rozier is a is kind of that running quarterback, and and he's maybe a little bit more established of a passer. And I obviously trust uh, Rozier with the ball in his hands rather than Hornerbrook. So I just feel like Miami is more the winner on that one. I'm going to take Wisconsin again. Turnover battle is going to be big. I think Miami will cover the six and a half spread, but they are two best offensive weapons. They're three best offensive weapons are all injured, not going to play this game. Herndon's out. You mentioned Amon Richards, who might be the first wide receiver drafted in the 2019 pick, or 2019 draft. He's out. And then you have Mark Walton, who declared for this draft, uh, more of a zone runner, who's been injured earlier this year. But so many weapons for them are injured in Wisconsin. Very physical, strong 3-4 defense. And Miami offensive line, not that great. You mentioned you sound higher than I am on McDermott. I think McDermott's probably more of a backup swing tackle type in the NFL. But I think that Wisconsin, the run game is going to be great. But matchup to watch for sure is Wisconsin offensive line and run game versus that Miami front seven. That Miami front seven is freaking awesome. You know, we already talked about the three guys who are draft eligible from that defensive line. But all three linebackers are 
great for them. They're all sophomores, especially middle linebacker Shaquille Quarterman. He looks like a first-round pick potentially next year. Mm-hmm. Zach McLeod's good too. Michael Pinkney is solid. And then their best player on defense, in my opinion, is defensive end Joseph Jackson. If you go back and watch that Notre Dame versus Miami game, Joseph Jackson just beat up on Mike McGlinchey. I mean, he gave Mike McGlinchey a really hard time. Probably the worst game Mike McGlinchey's had since last season when McGlinchey went against uh, Malik McDowell. McGlinchey kind of struggles with those longer guys with speed and athleticism. And Joseph Jackson looks like not only a first-round pick, but potentially top 15 pick next season. So I'm really excited about that. And that front seven versus Wisconsin's power run game, beautiful. Beautiful to watch. I cannot wait to check that one out. Absolutely. I'm going to go Wisconsin in this one too, just with Miami so banged up, missing so many key players. I just think that power run scheme, it's going to keep it a low scoring game. I think they're going to be able to handle Miami's offense fine. And and Miami's played a lot of really close games this year already. Anyway, they, they've had some pretty, I don't want to use the word lucky, but they, they've just, they've not looked like that top 10 kind of team, in my opinion. Their record says that, but I don't think that their actual play on the field has always said that. They've had a lot of bad teams that they just really struggled to even put away. So the good team, but again, missing some key pieces. I just think Wisconsin's going to be ready for this one. And uh, that that front seven, like you said, of Wisconsin, I think they're going to be able to handle some things and win a, a low-scoring game in this one. Yeah, I'm taking the under as well. And yeah, going to be a fun game. I'm I'm excited about it. I, I hate Wisconsin because they've been the best team in the Big Ten West for the last five years, and they always beat up my Hawkeyes. I'm definitely going to the Iowa-Wisconsin game next year. I think it's the Big Ten opener. So Yeah, that's a fact. Yeah, that's going to be a great. Right, Wisconsin's a great team. Yeah, I they mean, are. I'm just jealous because I'm a Nebraska fan, and we're trying to get back. So, Well, that will wrap up this week's episode of the 2018 Draft Huddle Up podcast. Today, we covered the first six bowl games of the New Year's Six, including the Cotton Bowl featuring Ohio State versus USC, the Fiesta Bowl featuring Washington versus Penn State, and the Orange Bowl with Miami facing off against Wisconsin. Next week, we will cover the rest of the New York Six Bowl games, including the college football playoff semifinals, and also dipping our toes in the Citrus Bowl featuring LSU versus Notre Dame. You can follow Carl on Twitter at CarlDumblerMHH, Cameron on Twitter at CameronParkerPO, and myself at NickKendallMHH. You can also follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing to us on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher. You can also check us out on YouTube as we put up content there weekly. You can follow us on Twitter at MileHighHuddle and at HuddleUpPod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us as we love hearing back from you guys. For Carl Dumbler and Cameron Parker, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up this part one of the New Year's Six NFL Draft Preview. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. Go Broncos! Mile High Huddle! Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.